Hello, and welcome to the Literati Cast. I'm Jennifer Loughran, and I'm a senior agent at the Andrea Brown Literary Agency, repping kids' books from picture books through YA. This week, I'm getting ready to go to Seattle for ALA Midwinter. ALA is the American Library Association, and Midwinter is the smaller of the two national conferences that the ALA holds every year. But Jen, you aren't a librarian. So what are you doing there, you ask? (laughs) Well, I'm there for several reasons. First of all, because it's just plain fun. I love the energy of a big conference center full of my favorite people talking about my favorite things. Also, I have authors who are going to be in attendance, and I like to be able to support them. And finally, as we'll get into a bit during the show, I'm kind of addicted to the awards component. ALA Midwinter is when all the big children's books awards are announced. Is it healthy to be obsessed with this? No, almost certainly not. But hey, I've probably mentioned or you might just have noticed that I am an official children's book nerd. When I was a little kid, I was even obsessed with trying to figure out what would win the Newbery and Caldecott. Back in those days, there weren't all the other cool awards we have now, so now it is even better. But of course, as we all know, trying to guess this is a bit like tilting at windmills because every awards committee has their own particular bees in their bonnets and preferences. So it's all really kind of a game and a mystery, but that's part of the fun to me. Anyway, I know that some of you have probably been to ALA or another conference like that, but maybe you haven't. And either way, you probably haven't been there in a behind the scenes capacity. So I wanted to give you a peek behind the booth curtain. My guest today is Jenny Choi. She's a school library marketing director who works at Abrams Books for Young Readers, and she's going to give us the lowdown on all kinds of info that authors might have always been curious about, both in terms of marketing books and also what big librarian conferences are like from somebody on the front lines of the exhibit floor. Let me see if I can get Jenny on the line. Hey, Jenny. Hi, how are you? I'm great. So just to introduce you and your company to listeners, I did mention it when I was introing you before, but Abrams publishes some amazing books that everyone might have heard of, like Diary of a Wimpy Kid series, the Origami Yoda series, Rosie Revere Engineer series, um, amazing graphic novels, Nathan Hale's Hazardous Tales, and so many more. And you are the Associate Director of School and Library Marketing. Did I get that title right? You did indeed. Okay, so what is the Associate Director of School and Library Marketing? It is exactly what it sounds like. I have the real honor of working with a lot of really wonderful educators and librarians and just kind of letting them know about what's coming and what um, and what books should really be on their radar. So that's the general sum up of what I do. But um, you know, it, it includes everything from the advertising you see in the Hornbook to all the little things that happen at conference, from what books are there to what entertaining we're kind of doing. And it, it, it's a very soup to nuts kind of job, and it's like it encompasses a lot of different things. So I get to work with a lot of different people. So no day is exactly the same. I love that. That's what I love about my job, too, is that it's always different. And we'll get into some of those finer details in a moment. But first, how did you get your start in publishing? Like, what was your path to getting here? Yeah, so um, I actually happened to get an a summer internship at Candlewick in Boston. And that was the really first time that I ever thought about publishing. Oh, like, this is a job. People do this. Um, So I had 
it was just a wonderful like experience at Candlewick. And I spent a lot of the time basically, you know, reshelving their library. But that was really helpful because I got to learn really the breadth of their list. And, um, you know, I got to see what titles were really, really popular, the ones that I was ordering over and over again. Um, so that was, uh, that was a really nice intro to publishing. And then from there, I ended up uh, getting a job in, as a sales and marketing ass- assistant at Charles Bridge Publishing, which is a small company. It's, I think at the time, maybe 30 people. Um, but that really provided me a great bird's eye view of every part of publishing. And so I'm very grateful to, you know, to Candlewick and Charles Bridge for giving me that nice, nice intro. Yeah, and uh, Charles Ridge has such a robust school and library element. List. Yes, yeah. indeed. Um, and then for school, I got into school and library specifically when I went back to Candlewick um, just to work in their school and library marketing department and have been have been doing this job ever since. Uh, and then from after Candlewick, I was at Little Brown for a couple of years, and now I'm here at Abrams. Nice. Um, so I have to say we met because of this, and like I'm about to – gush about you for a second because i have a book series coming out from abrams this spring don brown's big ideas that change the world series um the first book is about the road to the moon landing and you did something great which i very rarely had happen and it was so good which is me and don the author and you the marketing and publicity folks the editor all had a phone call in which we went over the marketing plan and every person involved talk about the role in the plan And I have to say, it was such a breath of fresh air to have that call and really see behind the curtain of what gets done. It's like so inspiring for the author to hear that people are really doing something because so often for authors, whatever marketing and publicity are doing goes totally unseen. So it's really easy to assume that nothing is getting done because it's so behind closed doors. Yeah. So first of all, thank you for doing that. I mean, I I wish we could do that for every single person. You know, it's really just great um, education, I think, for everybody. Totally. Um, can you, t- because we had all those different people in there, Yeah. can you kind of tell us the difference between what's publicity, what's marketing, and what's marketing versus school and library marketing? Yeah, of course. Um, when I think about publicity, I think about, this is basically free media coverage, um, people talking about our books for free, essentially. When And then when I think about marketing, I think about these are all sort of more paid placements or, you know, there's a cost involved to them. So even things like when you go into your Barnes & Noble and you see you see your, your book on an, on an end cap, that's, you know, paid placement. Or if you see your book comes up for, say, if you're look, searching for a book and another book is like, if you like this book, then you might like this book. That's also paid placement. Um, so that's sort of like the general difference that I would think of about publicity and marketing. And then, so publicity versus publicity, which is like uh, Oprah loves your book and she talks about it or something yeah, like that. Exactly, exactly. Okay. So like publicity, I think, you know, they pitch super, super widely. And, you know, a lot of every once in a while we get a great hit. You know, we get New York Times or the Today Show or something like that. Whereas like marketing, those are like those are guaranteed things because we're putting this dollar amount behind it. Right. Yeah. And then when I think about like basically trade marketing versus school and library marketing, trade marketing is it basically it's just to booksellers and to consumers. And whereas like the marketing that I am doing is specifically targeted to what I what um, what's important for teachers and librarians to to know about a book essentially. So like if it ties into curriculum or something mm-hmm. like that. Okay. Exactly, and then I, I also think school and library 
we kind of basically span both publicity and marketing because we do handle a fair amount of author appearances and conferences get involved with that. And, you know, we also talk with trade publications like School Library Journal and the Hornbook about getting, you know, having an author featured there, things like that. So we kind of are in this, like in the Venn diagram of marketing publicity, we're sort of like that overlap area, essentially. Cool. Can you talk about what you consider must do is for every book on the list. So like every book on the list is going to get in the catalog, for example, Mm -hmm. what else? Um, And every book on the list is going to go out to reviewers and making sure that those books go out well, well in advance. So, um, you know, and getting those mailings out in a very timely manner. So it's like all the timing is very, very important for that. So that you should, I think all authors should know that that's what's happening for their books, essentially. How, what is the lead time for getting in it to reviewers and stuff? It can be, you know, it varies. Here at Abrams, we don't do folded and gathered uh, picture books. So we do like, F&Gs, essentially, we don't do that. We get advances uh, of a picture book well, well in advance. So sometimes we have a picture book six months in advance, or we're aiming always to have uh, that finished copy of that picture book six months in advance so we can send it to Longley Publications. Um, who are, you know, working really, really far out with their deadlines. Um, But but this also includes, too, you know, the trade publications where we really want to see it. And that's especially important for the school and library marketing audience because they really, they can't read every book. And it's important for books to get reviewed by them. And, uh, you know, I, I know even some state awards, they won't look at a book unless it has two, I think, positive trade reviews. Mm-hmm. So there are a lot of reasons why we, uh, why it's important to make sure the books are reviewed, and particularly in the trade publications like School Library Journal, like The Hornbook, like Bookless and Kirkus. Do um, you also submit books for awards and we, stuff? Yep, that was, the, that was my other must-do, yes. Um, so the ALA awards, of course, are a big priority, and the ALA awards are, you know, they're, uh, it's all-encompassing, so it's the awards like the Newbery and the Caldecott, but uh, it's also awards, uh, part of it is, you know, Coretta Scott King, the Yolsa Awards, so all the YA-focused awards, um, and even uh, things like the Asian American Pacific Islander Award. Like, so there are a lot of different different awards that are encompassing within that fall under ALA. Um, but then there are organizations too that are, um, for example, the International Literacy Association has its own awards, and the National Council of Teachers of English have have its own awards too. So I always make sure that we are prioritizing those awards um, above everything else, predominantly because we're going to be seeing them in person because we exhibit at those trade uh, at those conferences mm-hmm. and, um, and because they'll, they'll ask me in person, but also because it's really important for me anyway to have our books be in their hands so that they can recognize um, some, the, you know, the, the wonderful books that we have essentially. So authors always, of course, want to help with publicity and marketing efforts and they want to do whatever they can do to promote their own books. But it's really hard to know what's actually useful versus what is them like reinventing the wheel or just doing something that isn't helpful. Yeah. Do you have any advice you give authors who want to be useful to you? Like, what do you think is useful? Well, you know, it's so interesting. I feel like it really, uh, in one of your, you kind of mentioned too, like pre-order campaigns and cover reveals. So those things, I feel like those have been really, they're kind of like sexy marketing and publicity items or a bullet point, you know. 
but I, those things don't necessarily work for every title. I also think cover reveals at this point, we're doing so many of them that um, I don't, I think they're, this is just an oversaturation of them and they don't have really an, an impact at all. Yeah. Um, and pre-order campaigns, I think when we think of, um, I think you, we have to be really strategic about what can, what pre-order campaigns we're going to do. So we, you know, it's certainly not something we can do for every book because there's a lot of back-end effort that goes into it. But if someone has a really rabid fan base and it makes sense, then you know, it's certainly worth our time to invest in this pre-order campaign. Mm-hmm. And then in terms of other advice, it's like, you know, it's utilizing your community contacts, the, the people you know in Children's Lit or the people you know where you live. And I think that is a really, that's probably the most important place to sort of be a, a grassroots place where you can like get your local community involved with you and then connecting us with them essentially. So it's like when you fill out, when an author fills out their questionnaire, letting us know sort of, Oh, I have a really great relationship with so-and-so um, so that we can, we can readily go, go to that, that person fully equipped with like, Oh, I, I hear that you're friends with X, Y, Z. Well, and it's helpful if that person is a bookseller right, or a librarian right, 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 or something yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so one of the big things you do, obviously, as we mentioned, is conferences like ALA Midwinter, for example. And it so happens that ALA is happening possibly by the time this airs right now. <laughs> um, I'm going there, too. So can you describe the ALA conference for those who haven't been there? Yeah. I think, I mean, I think of ALA as a, a book lover's kind of paradise. You kind of see everything there and you actually see the physical book in person. Whereas I think, you know, at Book Expo, there aren't a terrible number of books there. Um, so I think that's what's really nice about the ALA. Um, in addition to, you know, it's, just, it's more than just the exhibit hall floor. There's a lot of things going on. So there are, there's the pop top stage where you can hear authors talking about certain things. There's a book buzz stage where you, you can hear from publishers talking about what's forthcoming on their list. There's a lot of things happening, including author signings. Um, and I, there, I, ALA has like a really good um, kind of like a conference 101, I think is really helpful. It's like wear comfortable shoes because you'll be on your feet all day. <laughs> um, things like that. So I, I, um, in terms of ALA conference of what it's like, I just think, you know, it's just like it's every all the books you want to see all in one place. Um, and, then, like, and then our booth is, you know, we're we're we have a 20 foot booth and we just fill it with all our books and we're looking at books that are forthcoming so in this scenario right now we uh, for ALA Midwinter in 2019 in Seattle I'll have our spring 2019 books on display but I'll also be looking back to 2018 Um, these are you know those will be our books that have uh, three or more starred reviews the books that are on the notable discussion list the books that are on the best fiction discussion list. So it's kind of a good, it's a good show for, for bragging rights, essentially. I mean, like, look, <laughs> look at all my stars right here. Look at, look at all these accolades for this title. I feel like ALA is, you know, for years and years, I went to BEA or book expo as we're supposed to call it now. And um, because in my bookseller capacity and it's just, mm. When I started going to ALA, I realized how much better it is because it is literally, first of all, it's like old home week. You know everybody. Oh. 
And everyone just wants to talk about books and they're so excited about books. Whereas book expo is like, they're talking about business or something boring. Like they're not talking about loving books. Right. (laughs) Totally. And that's like a big part of what I'm doing in the booth too, is like, you know, we do, we set out a certain number of arcs and talking all like, you know, I have to kind of get my elevator pitch in line and you're sort of refining it as you go along of like, Oh, this resonated with this person, with this particular person. Um, so I'll, maybe I'll use that the next time I talk about this book. So I think that, like, honestly, the personal connection of talking books with people who want to hear about them is the most rewarding part about ALA. Yeah. Um, and the part that I like best. Me too. Um, what? So your booth is your home base, basically. So Abrams booth, you said how big it is. But yep. Do you have to help set it up? Like how long does it take? Oh, yes. When do you get there? How exhausted are you? What's the story? So I have, uh, we do every, I do everything from the ground up. So when we get there, so I do do setup when I get there, you know, I have to hang the banner. So the banner you see um, that gets hung by us is kind of a little bit precarious scenario because <laughs> I'm a very short person, uh, but it always gets up. So we put it up, but it's everything from, you know, like I'm in charge too of ordering the furniture. So even our trash can is cost me money essentially Mm. this cardboard box essentially (laughs) um so we when we get to the exhibit hall floor that first day of setup there's nothing in there and we have to sort of build everything so you know we hang the banner we're organized the way the tables are going to be set up um and then i put out any we sort of before we even put books on display we have to arrange the things that are under the curtain the things that are we have in store for you that we are that we are uh, holding and needing to to hold back until uh, a certain time, essentially. The place where I beg somebody to hold my jacket for me. Right, right, exactly. <laughs> where, we, where we put our bags and all that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, we got all. There's. I'm always underneath the curtains. It feels like at <laughs> trying to pull things out and trying to put things back in. Uh, but yeah, so we, you know, before we even put out books, we have to make sure everything underneath the curtains are organized in in a way so once show gets running we know exactly where things are i can be like oh will you bring out those posters and they know exactly what they're in that corner over there and it'll mm-hmm. be obvious because um, you have like rotating giveaways throughout the weekend exactly uh, mm-hmm. for like you know stacks of posters or when an author comes you have their books out so you, mm-hmm. they can autograph them or whatever exactly so it's like um, you, you have to get all that done and then you put out your books um and it take it can take a good day and a half to do it's it's really exhausting you you know I don't wear anything that I really like on this day because the boxes are normally have this weird film of dust over them and <laughs> grime um, so I always make sure I'm wearing essentially workout clothes so if you ever see me before a show please know that I don't always look like that <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so when you're in the booth, you're talking with all the librarians that are passing through and other people too, but mm-hmm. mostly librarians and media specialists. Um, are there any trends you're seeing? Things that they are, that they are talking about or that they want to see more of? Yeah. It's so funny you asked that question because I think actually Don's new series really hits it on its head. Um, yes. But totally, I, yeah. So I'm going to say basically graphic novel nonfiction is something that people are always asking me for and it's really I I'm I feel so grateful that I can be like yes I have so many good things for you in this category um 
I think their 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 students are just really hungry for that, and so that is certainly the probably one of the most resounding things that I've been hearing. Cool. Um, same in the bookstore, by the way. Yeah, people are obsessed. Um, so authors often really want to do signings of these conferences, with ALA or BEA or any of them. But of course, you can't send everyone. That yeah. would be bonkers. <laughs> so what factors go into who goes to ALA? So when we talk about ALA, um, the ALA Midwinter Show is a very different show than the ALA Annual Conference. So we, there's two different strategies when we think about these two conferences specifically. Um, so Midwinter, is a, as we know, is a quieter show. It's a working show for a lot of librarians. They're in meetings a lot. And... Um, Really what we're focusing, like the, the authors you're going to bring to Midwinter is it's going to be a very small list. And it's mostly like you're looking at one or two authors in my experience. And these are people who have forthcoming books. So it's not people who have books that are being considered by the committee uh, that, are, that are meeting at this time, essentially. Because that would be kind of awkward for people to run into to an author who's like they've been talking about in, in the room, you know. Right. Um, so it's like it's always books. It's always people who have forthcoming titles. Um, so we're just not running into that that awkward moment on the show floor. And then for ALA, it is ALA is harder. You know, it's you mean of, ALA annual? Yes, ALA it's annual. Like okay. thank you for clarifying. <laughs> ALA annual is really a celebration of everything that happened at midwinter. So. As a general rule, we don't make decisions about what authors will be going to annual until after midwinter happens. Because uh, it's people who won awards. Exactly. So you kind of want, you have to have those, you prioritize your award winners. And then from there, you can kind of see, it's like, well, I want to do a, a YA breakfast or a middle grade breakfast. And in my experience of it is that what you're trying to do is really, um, I'm trying to get the most bang for my buck. So I'm kind of grouping authors by in categories, essentially, like middle grade or wire or picture book um, and hosting events around those things, essentially. So that's generally how, how annual author decisions get made. Um, but it's sort of all, it, you know, it can, it varies season to season and year to year. So. Okay, so I might have to delete this part because I don't, I didn't ask, I tell you about it in advance, and I'm not sure if I'm telling the truth. But um, I heard somebody say once that when a, a publisher brings authors to like BEA, mm -hmm. they have to pay for every author. You know, well, I mean, we're we're paying for an author in the sense that we're. I mean, paying. not and not just like that they have to pay for their airfare or whatever. Yeah. Obviously, but like. Literally, oh, the actual appearance there. Yeah, I have. You know, I don't have. I don't know that much about Book Expo and the organization of it, but that seems really kind of unreasonable. So I think so too. Yeah, um, <laughs> we sort of run into this thing. Uh, so you know, sometimes at other other shows, ALA provides us basically with a very generous number of exhibitor badges. So. Um, we don't ever have to worry about getting a badge at this show, at that at those shows in particular. But there are conferences like ILA and NCTE where our exhibitor badge allotment is much smaller, and so we have made essentially, you know, let let those organizations know that hey, we are sponsoring this author to be here at conference. They are a, a draw for your attendees, 
And as a result, essentially their badge and registration should be complementary. Mm-hmm. And those organizations do understand that. So they've made that they've made that exception. So they they get, you know, an author gets an author badge essentially when they go to those shows. But we have had to have the, had those conversations in the past. So I, I don't know, maybe if it's the registration part of it or I don't know if it's like like we were talking about earlier with uh, the marketing. Yeah, I'm not sure if it's in yeah. booth or maybe it's like if you want to have a separate not in booth signing. Yeah. I don't know. I don't anyway, know. Well, whatever. that's a mystery yeah. that we won't solve today. <laughs> um, as I said, it was like a rumor that I heard and I just didn't know I'll, how to clarify. I'm going to, I'm going to ask around. Is that also, all I want to know? Um, let's say you live in Seattle, you're an author, you live in Seattle and ALA is going to be in Seattle. Yeah. Should you ask your publisher if you can just go to the show? Like if you can have a badge to just visit the show. Yeah. I think it's always worth asking those questions. It's always like, Yes, definitely always. And especially when it's in your backyard, then it's a lot easier. We can get you a badge for sure. And actually at ALA, I am hosting a bunch of or a handful of of Washington based authors. So it's good to have, you know, it's good to sort of just have them on the exhibit hall floor and to say hello and make that connection. So yes, we want if you're local to that area, we certainly want to utilize you if we can. Um, awesome. Yeah. So it's, it's always I always think if you don't ask, you'll never you'll never know, and it's always worth asking. I think. What do you, what misconceptions do you think authors have, or what do you wish authors knew about conferences like ALA? I think you know the one thing I, I've sort of struggled with is letting authors know that I am pitching them actively for for conferences. Um, it's just sort of you know I I I pitch really really widely in terms of programming, and it's sort of like whatever I get back is sort of, is what you know what the conference wants. So. I'm pitching you. I'm trying to get you there. Um, sometimes it doesn't always work out, but that's not to say that I'm not trying for the next show. And I think too is like you know when we when I look at you know there are so only- this is for you mean for like doing events during the show or something like that. Or, so like yeah, being or, on the pop top stage or doing a keynote or something. Like right, that. exactly. Doing programs uh, with an educator or something like that. Yes, that's exactly what I mean. And um, the other part that is sort of that has come up for me is, you know, I'm trying to, everybody wants to go to a school and library conference. And the ones I'm exhibiting at in person, there's just four of them. And so what I'm trying to do is spread out that wealth, that love across these four conferences. So um, I can't bring you to every single show. I want to. I just (laughs) can't, you know, like, I just have to spread it out. I have to be judicious and think about um, where you, where we took you last year, what, you know, what we're going to do for this year and then what you have forthcoming. Um, so it's, it's, it's all strategic. It's all sort of the master plan, but it's not like I'm, I'm trying to get you there and I'm working hard to get you there. But, uh, so sometimes patience, I think. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, so one of the big parts of ALA midwinter, at least from my perspective, and we touched on it for a moment, but is the youth media awards. Mm -hmm. It happened on the Monday of the conference, the announcements. It's no secret that I'm literally obsessed with the awards announcements. On the morning of, you will find me in the front of the line, probably very tired looking because it's the crack of dawn. And usually I will be crying most <laughs> of the way through the announcements because I'm so sleep deprived and full of emotions totally about all these re- beautiful books. Totally <laughs> relatable. <laughs> I literally 
love it so much. So do you attend those announcements and do you have any rituals? Yes, I do attend the youth media awards and I, I don't have any exact rituals for it, but I, my experience of the youth media awards is I think has been really exceptional in the time that I've been in publishing. So basically my first year, the first time I ever went to a midwinter was in 2008. And in that year, Lori Mischlitz won the Newbery Medal. And so I was like, oh, this is how it is every year. You know? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, so that set a really, a really high bar, but a really nice bar, for, you know, for me to at my first show to experience sort of like the excitement that goes behind that, you know, and Amazing. yeah. And since then I've had, you know, the real honor of working with four Caldecott medalists. So that's been like really, it's just, it's, I'm always grateful for um, the decisions that are made. <laughs> um, over that weekend. But yeah, the Youth Media Awards are just so exciting. And I'm really excited for this year because it's going to be all-encompassing. It's going to be, like I, like, I, um, like I said earlier, you know, it'll include the um, Native American in- Indian Award and it will include the Asian Pacific Islander Award. So I think that is just telling of... Um, it's all good steps. It's all where we want to be and all what we're working towards. And that, I think, is especially exciting. Me too. I'm super thrilled and excited. So I would never ask you to pick a favorite book. Obviously, that would be <laughs> malicious. Yeah. But do you have any feelings about con- possible contenders for Newbury or Caldecott? So I no will be no jinxing. <laughs> I I mean I have I have feelings, but I have I keep them to myself. Maybe perhaps that is a ritual of mine. Um, but I will say that I think you know the the blogs that are out there calling Caldecott the heavy metal and SLJ, I think those are really, they're really interesting for me to read. I love to hear what people are saying on those, on those outlets. I also think um, the notables discussion list is a really great place to get a sense of like sort of what's going to be talked about in the room. So last year I went to the notables discussion that happened on Friday and they were talking all about picture books. And at that meeting, they really put, um, they put Crown on my radar. They put a different pond on my radar. They were, it's just the way they talked talked about those books. I just knew that they were going to get something. And so I always think going to the Notables discussion meeting, it's like it's it's something I only get to do once during the show, um, and it's always that Friday before everything starts. But I I always love going to it because the what what those committee members have to say. Is always so intriguing and so interesting, and I I love it. So I make a point never to at least miss one of those discussions. <laughs> that was a very good way to get out of naming any books. <laughs> I, uh, I thought about that one. I'm not, I'm not going to say any books. <laughs> I'm very diplomatic. I like it. Um, so okay, self promotion corner. Yeah. Are there any Abrams books specifically coming out in late January, February? that we should definitely keep our eyes peeled for. Yeah, there's a picture book called Chick's Rule, and it's by Sadipta Barnum Qualen. And it is all of, it's like a, such a wonderful, beautiful, empowering, rhyming, rhyming book. It's a great read aloud, um, but it's all about empowerment. There's a little baby chick, a baby chicken, and she really wants to be part of a, a club, but it's an all boys club. And they tell her she's not allowed. And she's like, what? And she gathers all her friends all around her and they basically build a rocket to space. And it's just such a really empowering ode to 
to females and also um, has a really nice stem and science hook to it. And it, the art in it is so beautiful and really cute. Um, so yeah, I'm really excited for that title. Chicks rule. Yeah. Awesome. So I ask every guest this, what are you obsessed with at the moment? It does not have to be bookish, but it can be. And I will go first. So you can soak it in and give yourself time to think about your obsession. Mine is not bookish. <laughs> well, it kind of is because I feel like it's a coming of age story. Um, it is the Dairy Girls on Netflix. So it's this story about this group of teenagers set in Northern Ireland in the 1990s, like during a time when their town is occupied by soldiers. It's like very intense. But these kids just want to have shenanigans and sex and whatever else. Like they are not uh, too concerned with all of the dramatic stuff happening in the background. They're irreverent and body, a little sacrilegious. It's laugh out loud funny. The only problem with it is that there are only six episodes. So the Dairy Girls on Netflix is my obsession of the moment. Oh, I always Jenny. wonder how people discover things on Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> By listening to my podcast and I tell you what's on Netflix. Um, what is your obsession with the moment? Yes. So... I will preface this by saying I don't watch a ton of live TV. Most of like what I watch is on Hulu or Netflix and it's shows well in syndication. But the only show that I watch live and I make I I pay to watch this show. I pay like Apple TV, you know, like twenty dollars to watch the whole season. But it is RuPaul's Drag Race. Yes. And it's the all star <laughs> season right now. And I can't think I can't I'm always thinking about it when it's on TV. Um, I just love everything about this reality show. I know at this point some people are like really eye roll about it, but I just think no. what those queens do is extraordinary <laughs> and amazing, and they're so funny and they're so quick on their feet. I just I'm endlessly entertained and in awe of them. Okay, so who is your front runner right now? Oh, it's so hard. It's like making me pick. I don't. I don't. I don't know for sure, but I kind of I'm feeling Manila Luzon. I love yes. I love I love Manila. She's you know she also represents sort of like the older queens there. So I I love her so much. I think I think she has the ability to go all the way. I do too. Unless somebody throws her under the bus or something, right. I love her. Yeah. Anyway, okay. Well, I'm glad we got that offer. Just oh, and also, P.S. By the by. I just started listening to two RuPaul's Drag Race podcasts. What's the tea? Uh, what's no, no, actually, really, no. <laughs> one is what the tuck. Oh yes, and the other one is Race Chasers. Oh yeah, Race Chasers is with a uh, Willem and and Alaska. Yes, that's yes. right. Yeah. Um, they're very funny. I so any and um, and uh, what the tuck has um, Nicole Byer, who is on Nailed It. Oh yes. Um, who is hilarious, and they know everything about the show. Oh, the, <laughs> so, the fandom of it is so great. Like, I got on the train the other day, and like pe people were talking about it, and it was so hard for me not to interject into what they were saying. <laughs> <laughs> um, on that note, thank you, Jenny Choi, so much for being with oh, me. Thank you so much for, for chatting with me. Thanks again to my guest, Jenny Choi from Abrams, and thanks to all of you for listening. There will be info and links about the books and blogs we discussed in the show notes on my website at jenniferlofrin.com slash literatycast. 
If you like the Literati Cast, consider leaving a review on Apple Podcasts or your podcatcher of choice. Reviews help new listeners find us. Also, we have a Patreon. Throw in a buck and you just might win a book. You'll also be able to tell me what guests you want to hear from. That's at patreon.com slash literati cat. Thanks for listening and see you next time.